Welcome back to the Cheryl Reeve Show. Cheryl and I were in the same place on Thursday night at the Minnesota Aurora game, which was an absolute blast. We'll talk about that later in this show. Let's start, though, with the Minnesota Lynx and the WNBA. Cheryl, uh, just how are you feeling about your team at this point? Well, obviously, things always feel a little bit better after after a win. Uh, and so that that was necessary for us to, to win a home game. And uh, I thought we came with the necessary passion and, uh, you know, competitive fire and, and kind of won it more than, than them. Uh, and so, you know, the first out of the first seven games we had, five of them were on the road. Um, so I think that the group kind of understood, you know, we got to get back home here and, and play like we, like we want to play. And, and that's, you know, competing with a great deal of passion. And I thought we did that despite, you know, shooting, a, you know, a, a lower percentage um, than what we had been, you know, um, McBride and Powers, uh, you know, even though that they, you know, they didn't make field goals, they were at least persistent enough uh, to get to the foul line. And, you know, we did what was necessary to, to win the game. You have talked a lot about, you know, you've talked about passion. You've talked about, you know, the willingness to do the right things and play the right way. Uh, is that something you find every year you have to you have to emphasize at some point or is that unique to this group and where they are right now? I would say that in, in each in each season, you have a, at least a player or two that maybe that you're you're coaching that, um, you know, so I think it varied by the team. Uh, you know, certainly, you know, you, you, you try to surround yourself with players where you're not coaching, uh, you know, passion and effort and that sort of thing. And, you know, this group, that's been a little harder to come by. And so uh, we have had to, to ask for that uh, more. And, and so, you know, and, it, and you know, you want it to be collective. It, it's not just one person can want it. You got to want it with the person next to you. And so I think that group, like there are this group learning, you know, that it's not that, you know, you aren't being competitive, but you aren't competing with and for your teammates type of thing. And so that that's something that we're trying to grab a hold of with this group. And is it as simple as just saying it and emphasizing it or is there a, a methodology for kind of getting it through to a, either a player or a group? Uh, you know, it's, I guess it comes in different forms. Like players will tell you, you know, sometimes it's seeing something on video, something they could have done, you know, that, that, uh, would, would, would lend towards that. It could be, you know, uh, I find practice to be the best place for it. It's very illuminating. Uh, we're spending a lot of time with players in one-on-one situations. And, and then as a group kind of just hitting the things that we value the most, it can't be great at everything. And there's no team is. And, and we said that, that just imploring them that when, you know, we're practicing different drills and we've, you know, we've asked players, what do they need? And, you know, and so you know, it has to come more, more in drill work. Okay. We'll do more drills and, and that sort of thing. So I think it comes in different forms. Um, but ultimately it comes from, from the inside when, when it, when it gets to going well, it will have come from the inside. In other words, the people that are doing it and you're holding your teammates accountable and, lifting them up and, 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 you know, finding that, that kind of that common passion and celebrating the, the small successes and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, this group that's, that's, you know, that's been, like I said, it's a little bit slow to slow to happen. So we're, we're still working towards it. Cheryl Reeve show is part of talknorth.com. We recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy, but you can always go to talknorth.com, see all the shows and all the archives of all the your favorite shows. We do appreciate you listening. Thanks to our sponsors, Livia, Rudy through Toyota, Cara Quinn, Successful Marketing Group, All Energy Solar, 
and TSR Injury Law. And once again, we appreciate you listening to the show and appreciate you listening to the network. Uh, so let's let's celebrate uh, a piece of good news in this uh, very difficult week. Nafisa Collier is now a mother. She is, yeah. Mama Fee uh, gave birth to a um, uh, baby girl, which she, she's known, and uh, both both baby and, and mom are doing well. Um, it was, they were healthy, um, you know, as they got through it. And, and uh, you know, I think, Obviously, Fee's, Fee and Alex, her, her fiance, are thrilled as those of us have been through it. No, um, you know, you're immediately in love with this little one. And so that they're they're going through that. And uh, we're really happy for them. That's great. Uh, another key player for you, Sylvia Fowles, uh, in her final season is leading you in almost every statistical category. Uh, are, are you surprised at all that she's been able to maintain this level even this far into her career? No, because I think Syl, Syl just works for it. And Syl, I've talked to, to Syl over the last four or five years, just as we looked around the league and, and you see different endings to careers. Uh, Syl was always very, very adamant that she never wanted to be do this unless she was still uh, the great player uh, that, that, she's, that she knows herself to be. She never wanted to, you know, let, let father time uh, be the reason. And so she just really has committed to taking care of herself and does all the necessary things. And, you know, she, she musters it up and, 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 you know, she is somebody who, do, who competes at a high level. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to see. So I'm not surprised to, to see that, you know, she's averaging 17 and 10, you know, for our team and, you know, make a few more free throws. And maybe she averages 18, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> Have you mentioned that to her? I haven't actually. I haven't. I have not. <laughs> yeah, that, that's always a fa- that's a fascinating thing to me about basketball is that uh, you know free throws can be such an important part of the game, and yet it's like almost a, a touchy subject, right? You don't want to put any extraneous thoughts in anybody's head when they're going to uh, to shoot a, a key free throw. Yeah, it's like a kicker, right? Yeah, you can you know, or or somebody you know trying to make a putt. So uh, all of those are are similar. Uh, things and ultimately players know it i mean so right. it doesn't really make a lot of sense to talk about it i mean all you can do is what you know in, in the basketball world we say like just get in the gym and, and yeah. shoot 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 and you know uh, find your way and so i'm confident still will do that uh mariah jefferson took a, a hard fall the other day and uh you know hurt her right hand wrist a little bit how's she feeling uh she she's good i think it's probably still sore it was a dislocated finger yeah uh that was a little bit like we experienced with sill a couple of years back um, you know, unfortunately you just, you just put it back in and you go back out there, but you can imagine the soreness. Um, so, you know, Mariah is taking the necessary precautions in terms of protecting the area. And, uh, but I appreciate Mariah's willingness to compete for a ball. Uh, mm-hmm. she has put, she has put her body on the line for her teammates and, uh, sure have appreciated that. Uh, you mentioned powers earlier. How are you feeling about her game right now? Well, coming along, coming along. I think, you know, again, the, the last game, uh, uh, I thought that she showed a, a persistence, um, you know, shots weren't falling, getting good shots. Um, you know, that's a player that I think, you know, historically may has been rough for her. And, and so I'm, I'm anxious for June, you know, to, to see the, you know, the efficient, uh, aerial powers, but I appreciated her, her persistence in the New York game to, you know, to at least get to the foul line and, and be productive there. Uh, Cheryl, tell us about Livia. Well, as you know, um, Livia has been uh, such a, a bright spot in, in uh, my life. And also, um, I think it would be okay to share this. Uh, we have uh, a player, Demir Stantis, who um, has kind of been on this journey with me. And 
you know, that's a player who has had some lower extremity issues and, and, you know, we just said, Hey, you know, this, this is going to help you long-term. And, and I introduced her to my favorite coach, Connie Dixon, uh, who, uh, has just been tremendous in, in, in her guidance. And, you know, you're talking about a professional athlete uh, versus a washed-up athlete like myself, <laughs> knowing the difference of what we each need. And I've just been so impressed uh, with their ability to, um, you know, recognize the, the parts of the program that are good for uh, Demiris, maybe the good parts of the program that are good for Cheryl or for other people. Um, and that's that's been important to me, you know, and, and, it, and it's not centered on, um, what I, what I would consider like the, like this, the basic weight loss. Uh, it's about body composition. I think I've said that before this, the kind of the analytics that are involved in this. And as a professional athlete and, you know, the necessary, it's, it's not about not eating. This is, this is not it. Uh, I would never sign up for something that said I couldn't eat. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Uh, but to able to be able to make choices at the right time of the day and what you're putting in your body and hydrating and, uh, it's very relevant to a professional athlete and, um, you know, Demiris has been a, a great success story and is, is now able to get on the floor and, and feel safer, you know, about protecting, you know, the fracture that she went through. And, um, so, uh, obviously a big fan of, big fan of Livia and I continue to be on the program. I'm gosh, I'm a, uh, about two and a half months in, uh, to, to my program and continue to experience, uh, great results. And for results for me, that means I feel great. Um, somebody asked me the other day and, you know, I said, my back doesn't hurt. My knees don't hurt. I can actually you know, chase Oliver you know, like he wants to jog somewhere, go chase him. Uh, and it doesn't take me, you know, ooh, ah, ooh, you know, to get out of my chair. And uh, so I, I'm just I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling great physically. And that, that's what matters most to me. That is good to hear. Uh, we want to talk about the Minnesota Aurora. Anything else you want to talk about in terms of your team or the league at this point? Well, we're happy to be home. Uh, yeah. You know, like I said, it's been a, you know, a, Kind of a a bit of a stretch you know, to start the season, and when we got the schedule, you know, it was like, okay, <laughs> they're really handing it to us early here. Um, and then, you know, it's just been nice to be home. I think for the players to kind of get settled in, and you know, KMAC flew right to LA, you know, so it's just kind of nice that we kind of I think get our get our footing uh, a little bit, just be home, enjoy the Twins game, enjoy the Aurora game, you know, enjoying nice weather sort of thing, and then and then have another home game, and then go back on the road. Uh, next week, but, but, you know, it's a team that's, uh, hopefully going to continue to work hard to evolve. So we had different experiences with the Aurora on Thursday night. We're recording here on early Friday afternoon, uh, for, for, uh, context sake. So I got there early, you know, it's my, the only thing I had to do yesterday. So I got there early in the afternoon and talked to a lot of people. You had, you had an event with the twins and then you rushed over from the twins to catch the Aurora game. So tell me about your afternoon. Yeah, I actually um, was not able to to be at the the first pitch for Sill. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, we we decided um, now now Rebecca Brunson did both. Uh, was able to to be there for the first pitch and then zoom down to Egan, uh, where they were playing at the the Vikings facility. Um, so so I mean I was thrilled uh, to be in attendance the first ever to see the first goal uh, scored by the Aurora. Um, and, and you know Jim, you mentioned. Uh, what a scene it was, um, you know, in terms of the number of people that turned out for it. It's just just awesome for uh, the growth of women's sports and especially as it, as it pertains to professional ranks. Yeah, it was a, it was a great scene. It was a beautiful night. Uh, it was a really good soccer game. 
And of course, you know, you and I both know Andrew Yak, the president of the team who, who started putting this together. And I don't want to give all the credit to Andrea because I know she has a, a group of owners and people who've worked like crazy to put it together. But it's just it, it really is remarkable. I mean, they, to start off a couple of years ago with a, a meeting at a brewery and then, you know, from a year ago, actually start putting together the team to have it to have it all work that well immediately is remarkable to me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, that's that's a labor of love, and and uh, I can't imagine the emotions of the of those that were, you know, like you said, where where it first started in a you know in a, in a meeting, and it came to fruition into to last night, and you know to see all the you know the thousands of people that were there to support them, I, I can't imagine uh, what Andrea and her team, uh, the emotions that they were feeling, and so kudos to them. It was it was a it was a great night. And last note on that is that the other cool thing when you go to an Aurora game is, is what I also appreciate about going to a Lynx game. Yes, everybody is there to see the home team win. Everybody's invested in winning, but it's also about more than that. And to see the people walking through the gate at six o'clock yesterday afternoon, just thrilled to be wearing their you know Aurora gear and just thrilled to be there for all the right reasons. You know that is that is. Uh, I guess the, I don't know if rewarding is the best word. I'm, I'm having trouble coming up with a better word, but it is rewarding to see that. Yeah. Uh, you know, as I walked around and, and met people, um, you know, I always get empowered by those moments of like looking at the next generation, you know, and, and just how important, you know, that, that they see there's opportunities, you know, to continue to play uh, it increases participation, increase, it increases just, you know, the overall you know desire to want to do it. And so, you know, the opportunities uh, that are being presented uh, to young people, I think, are really special in this market. No doubt about it. Uh, hey, want to thank our other sponsors, starting with Rudy Luther Toyota. Ready for a women forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. 10 cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. Thanks also to my realtor, Cara Quinn. Uh, she's going to have some very interesting news about her business coming up here soon. Right, You can find her at Cara Quinn Realtor. I will just say this. She's the most patient person I've ever worked with in any field. My wife and I have been just scrambled around looking at different options. Uh, you know, Interest rates keep going up. Price, housing prices keep going up. We've tried to you know, find different lot. We, we've been all over the map on what we want, what we what we're trying to figure out. Cars has just been a great ally through all of it. So whether you, you need a realtor, whether you're selling, whether you're buying, whether you're looking around for a great neighborhood, uh, she can also help with uh, interior decorating. She's great with, uh, you know, understanding of where in the Twin Cities you would want to live, but she's just fantastic. Go to CaraQuinnRealtor.com and check her out. I highly recommend her. Thanks also to uh, Lori Ramsey and our friends at Success, 
<laughs> successful marketing group, successfulmarketinggroup.com. And thanks to All Energy Solar. Uh, we're heading into the summer, building a remodeling season when considering property upgrades for home or business. Solar should be under consideration. Here are some facts. Most home improvement projects do not pay for themselves if the property is sold. Solar pays back regardless of property sale. Most systems are warrantied for 25 to 30 years. After 30 years of operation, solar could have paid back 300 to 400% of the cost. It is a great deal for you. Uh, it might cost you a little more up front. It will pay off in the long run. It will increase your home's value. It'll be a great boon when you try to resell. It'll save you money while you're living there. Allenergysolar.com. Check them out. Uh, so brutal week to be an American, uh, brutal week to be a parent. Uh, and Cheryl, I know at your press conference the other day, you talked about the uh, the shooting, the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. As the week has gone on, we've learned more about uh, law enforcement doing nothing to, to prevent it. And now we've seen law enforcement caught in many lies as well. Uh, but I, you know, I'm trying to set the stage. I just want to provide this opportunity for you to you to say whatever you want to say about it, and then you and I can can talk about it as much as you like. Well, I, I think maybe a lot like um, in, in 2016 when our team experienced, um, you know, hearing about another police officer involved shooting of uh, a black person, that we were at an inflection point. Um, it it sure feels like that. Uh, it, it it feels like a majority of people have some common sense around. Uh, what needs to happen with regard to uh, laws to be able to obtain automatic weapons. Um, and so it, it feels like there probably is more common ground than maybe what actually gets to happen. I, I think Steve Kerr expressed it uh, in the best way, which is I think our nation is being held hostage uh, by you know 50 senators um, in Washington uh, with own agendas, with personal agendas and, you know, concern for their own power uh, versus doing what's right for the people. And uh, I've said this before, I think, you know, how this this time in our nation's history is going to be judged and our inability to protect, um, obviously, mass shootings of, you know, people in a grocery store or you go to a movie theater. Those are those are uh, pretty awful. But to think that a young toddler that is six, seven, eight, nine years old, 10 years old, 11 years old are not safe in going to school. It is just, it just goes well beyond, you know, when we say it's unimaginable, the problem is it's not unimaginable. It's, it's right there in front of us. It is imaginable. And it's conversations that we're now having with our kids about when you're in school, that this is a real possibility, that this could happen. And obviously we didn't experience that as, um, you know, when we were kids, you know, the generation. Um, the idea that these weapons, and, and we're talking about, we're blaming mental health. Um, mental health is not always the reason. I think we assume that somebody must be mentally ill that is capable of doing those things. I'm not so sure that the mental health is to blame for all of these situations. What can we con control? What can we control? We can control who accesses the weapons. We can control that. We can honor the Second Amendment rights of people, the right to bear arms, legally, having gone through a process. I believe we can do both, and I believe it has to happen. And I think at this point now, 
it's not enough, as we've said. I think we, we have to reach this inflection point where we take action. I loved when I saw the students walk out of a school. That's what it needs. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take just like it did with police officer involved shootings. It took the entire world when George Floyd was murdered a little over two years ago. It took the entire world rioting and protesting and going through all that for people to finally want to think about making change. Are we still not in the place we need to be? Yeah. But things are changing. And this same thing has to happen when it comes to the ability for anybody uh, to get an automatic weapon, automatic rifle that can do the amount of damage. And they say, well, they're going to get them anyway. Well, we can't be because we let them get it easily. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen illegally. Those are some things you can't control everything. But we have to do what we can. And that's right there in front of us. And we have examples. Uh, Australia had a mass shooting. They shut it down. Uh, and they haven't had a mass shooting in 25 years. New Zealand, same thing. Scotland and the UK, same thing. If you look at charts, who has the most mass shootings? It's the United States in 1998. And these are not, I mean, the United States has mass shootings every day, but I'm talking about, uh, you know, huge, very large scale mass shootings. The chart, United States, 100 since 1998. Second on the list, France, eight. Most yeah. countries, most developed democracies, one or two, because, as you said, we make it easy. And there's there are mental health problems and there are violent video games and there are bad people in every society. We make it easy. We make it so an 18-year-old with whatever problems he may have can walk into a Walmart or a, any other sporting goods store and walk out with Two AR-15s, which are designed to blow bodies apart, uh, which have no place in decent society, and thousands of rounds of ammunition without anybody even questioning them. Well, and the fact that these conversations, when, when like I said, the majority of the population of, of, of people that these politicians are representing, um, the, the fact that it's a non-starter that we, you know, Democrat or Republicans bring a bill or even bipartisan bill, which H.R. 8 was bipartisan, won't be brought to a vote in the Senate, won't even be heard to be brought to a vote. The, the fact that those things are a non-starter, so when it happens, we go – well, the, the Ted Cruz's of the world, don't politics, don't, don't make it about politics. Well, you are the people that have the power to change it. I can't imagine that Republicans would be okay. Republicans have kids in school. I can't imagine that Republicans that, <laughs> or whatever your, your, your political leaning is, we all have kids that are in school. We all have people that go to the movies. We all have people that go to the grocery store. I can't believe that we would say, nope, but I want to have the right to go buy an AR-15. And so, therefore, these kids don't matter. I, As a society, like you said, why is it only here in the United States that there's a problem? Mental health exists everywhere. And why are we not willing to do that? And uh, we know the answers, the people that are beholden to, which, by the way, let's talk about Mitt Romney. 
13 million dollars that that he accepts mm-hmm. from the from the NRA. And so yep. when it comes time for him to make decisions on these things, how do we think he's going to vote? Why are these things non-starters? And that's what needs to be called out. We've got to get to the root of the problem. Just like when we had concerns about criminal justice reform, we began to educate ourselves about the policies and the ways in which uh, these things are uh, permitted to happen. Lying, police lying on police reports. Okay, So we've known these things for years, but we've started to kind of shine the light on these things. And the same thing has to happen with regard to this so that we can make real change to protect kids in schools. One way in, one way out is not the answer. That is not protecting the kids. That's putting them in more danger. It's common sense. And I I mean, it's it feels hopeless. I'm not going to lie. It feels hopeless that. Each time it happens, these same people that won't even bring a bipartisan bill to be heard, they're going to say hopes or that their thoughts and prayers and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it just, it just, it feels hopeless. It feels like an endless cycle. And I don't know what it's going to take. Uh, but I know darn sure that uh, our team and our organization. Uh, we're going to dig into this, and we're going to help try to be a part of the change that would enact something to make our kids safer. Well, and I expect nothing less from you and your organization. You're always on the right side of uh, of history. Uh, and every time I see a politician on TV offer thoughts and prayers or some ridiculous solution like oh, one door, uh, which is – I mean, it's so stupid we can't even talk about it. It's disgusting. Uh, Every time, every time I do that, I go to one of the databases that's available to all of us on the Internet and I look up how much money they got from the NRA. And they're all and the ones who speak the loudest and the ones who offer the most ridiculous uh, thoughts, I won't call them solutions, thoughts uh, or or excuses on on inaction. They're always in the top 10 of money received from the NRA. It's that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this isn't hard. Uh, But like I said, I, I mean. Uh, what does it take? You know, what does it take? Does it take one of those senators' family to be impacted directly? Yes. Is that yes. what it will take? That's exactly well, what it takes. And that's for pretty them. sad. Yeah, yep. right, for them. But you know, never mind. You know, the the families that won't have their kids come home that day that weren't you know that weren't a part of their families. I it's just mind boggling. And and obviously it's about power. We we know this. I mean, you know, this is you know, and that's what we need to be able to say when we when we're asked why does this happen in the U.S. because we put power in greed. We put our own self-interest uh, ahead of the good of our people. That's exactly what we do.